Hey, welcome back to another edition of the Five Tool Podcast. I'm Dustin McComas, joined as always by Drew Bishop. And Drew, first off, is everybody okay? I, I noticed you didn't go floating down the street. Um, you know, it typical Texas fashion, you don't get a lot of rain for a while, and all of a sudden that's all it wants to do is just rain, rain, rain. Uh, you guys hanging in there? You avoid any flooding yeah. and all that stuff? Well, I'm not, I was just kind of oblivious to it, to be honest. Uh, Mary came home and said, man, this was like record rainfall over the last 24 hours. And I just kind of was like, oh, okay. And then what got my attention was I was scrolling through Twitter and there were some pictures of the field, the football stadium at SMU. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that, but there's this giant like bubble in the turf that's like oh no 25 yards wide like it's huge and so then i was like man look at this and she was like well did you think i was making it up i was like (laughs) uh no i just you know i'm a visual guy i need to see it so yeah uh, that's what that's what actually got the point across to me but i just sitting at home my own little world chipping away some arizona fall classic stuff and didn't even really know what was going on other than the fact that that it rained yeah, I'm a I'm a big weather nerd, so I, I've been I've been following it. But yeah, it's just I knew that like, yeah, Austin, like our house has barely had a drop of rain in like over two months. And sure enough, it's just like now it just rains nonstop. And then as I was we were about to go get Jack from daycare yesterday, like it flooded near his daycare. I was like, oh, no, this this would be just the icing on the cake because we can't even yeah. go get him now. We're stuck. But no, we were able to and everything like that. So yes. hope everyone out there is is doing OK and hanging in there in this wild weather in, in the state of Texas. But um, fingers crossed, I think that we're our, our extremely hot days might be uh, might be behind us. The only bad thing is I've noticed mosquitoes are back like. That was the one positive in all of this is it was so dry and so hot that there were no yeah. mosquitoes anywhere um, for a long time. But uh, one place that didn't have mosquitoes was San Diego. Uh, yeah. Of, of much better weather. Uh, last episode, we talked about the upper class at the area code. Today, we're going to focus on the the underclass. So how it works is the upper class guys um almost all those players are 2023 players that are going to be seniors the occasional 24 is mixed in there um they do their thing for a few days and they move out and then the younger guys come in um a lot of 2024 prospects and a pretty good amount of 2025 guys as well yeah certainly some guys yeah. that we'll talk about today so uh once the older guys are done the younger guys come in they take batting practice and they start playing their games as well and they they move those guys through a little quicker each team played um, a double header. Uh, we we didn't see quite as much of the under guys as the older. I actually um, flew out midway through the Texas Rangers' third game, uh, I believe on Saturday, which was one of the final two days of the event. But uh, we're going to do like we did last time and spend a lot of time talking about the Texas Rangers group. Obviously, we're based in Texas. We know a lot of these guys. It's, that's one of the main reasons we went out there was to cover these guys and see them compete and evaluate them, but we'll go through with some notes on some, uh, some of the other teams as well. Um, talk about some of those players that stood out. It was, uh, it, it was an exciting event. And Drew, I think we both remarked when we first saw this Rangers team was how impressive they looked physically. Uh, it was a really good looking bunch and, and shout out to those guys. Um, you know, Josh Simpson and, and Bobby Crook with the Rangers and all the other scouts that helped build this group, you know, Kyle Vanahook, Max Simler, Brian Reese, Chris Joblin, um, Paul Scott, Clint Bowers, Trevor Brown, J.R. Salinas, uh, John Lombardo. Like 
I think that they did a great job with this group. And it's it's tougher for those guys with the younger group because we know they they do their evaluations on the next draft class. Yeah. And because of when the draft is, they've spent so much time finalizing the 2022 group. They haven't even really had much time for the 23. So uh, building a roster of 24s and 25s is, is a tough challenge. And I think they nailed it. Um, you know, yeah. we they had some really good reviews um, from batting practice. And then you get those guys onto the onto the grass when it comes game time. And uh, they certainly checked the box physically for sure. And I overall, I was just really impressed with those guys. Yeah, it was a good group. Um, you know, one, the thing that kept standing out, no matter how many scouts or coaches or agents we talked to, like the the show that the Texas team put on in BP mm-hmm. was pretty pretty significant. And, you know, a couple of scouts even remarked that it was as good as some of the 2023 groups, which is which really stood out to me just because you can really tell a difference from the upperclassmen to the underclassmen. Cause when you think about it, it's the, it's the best of the best 2023s or right. go- going to be senior groups every year. And there's a lot of physical maturation that takes place from that junior year to the summer. And physically the groups just look different. Um, but once you sit there and watch it for a couple of days and really see how physical that some of the 24s and 25s are for their age group, you know, you can see why some of these guys stand out. And that Rangers BP, like I said before, was, you know, mentioned as being different and much more, um, much more like the 2023 group. And, you know, I, I think that stood out. There's a lot of really big athletes and yeah. big bodies on this team. And, you know, one of the things that we started to get into last week that I thought is really interesting, the more you watch uh, this level of play is the Texas kids are physical um whereas not to say that the west coast kids are not because they were plenty physical in their own right but the west coast teams um be it the the a's in northern california the brewers in southern california or the uh the reds they just handle the ball different yeah right you know i think there's a couple reasons for that i think that's the fact that they play on a lot more grass than the texas kids do um and they just they just take care of the ball and handle it better across the board if you watch them take in and out and throw the ball around between innings and you know it took some of the texas guys both the older guys and the younger guys a little bit of time to just get adjusted to playing on dirt and playing on grass um but that's just something that stood out to me but you know i think in the long run you know it can help some of these guys on the texas team in scout size because you're not viewed as quite as much of a finished product as some of the other guys might right. be um, because there's some, some growth that you can still see in these guys. And a lot of the time it just comes down to reps um, because they are physical enough. They are athletic enough. And, you know, we'll get to talk about some of those guys as we go through the roster. Yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned the grass thing. You know, it's something I was thinking of is you know, those California guys probably had the luxury of, of playing on grass a lot. Um I don't know about Arizona. You know, it's it's hot and dry, but you know, but I know that like the the they must have a the grass thing figured out because I know the Austin FC Stadium they flew Arizona grass in down yeah. here. So 
Well, they've got um, all the, the they've got all the spring training complexes. Yeah, oh, that's so, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, they I think they, they play a lot of their events there, and you know, I think those teams tend to go west yeah. a lot when they're playing in the summer too. Because both the upper class and the underclass Reds team, um, they had some guys in the middle infield that really, really handled yes. the baseball well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah, and and it's you know sometimes those Texas guys that like can do that often really stand out. Um, because you can you can put a lot of stock in that defensive ability, but um, I guess we'll probably go through this list since we've got it in front of us alphabetically. Um, just going through and touching on um, the guys that we saw and the guys that competed there. Uh, start off with a, with a couple guys, uh, Tristan Bristow um, from Harlan, San Antonio. I actually went and saw him during the high school season because you know Vanderbilt commitment. Everybody's super excited about his upside as a 2024 pitcher. It was. Uh, not that far from home, even though traffic was miserable when I made the trip. Um, but um, very, very exciting prospect. It was kind of a similar look in San Diego is that there's there's a lot to like about what he's going to become. The arm speed, the athletic, loose kind of arm action, uh, the body. I don't I mean, there's going to be as he matures, he'll he'll leverage his physical gifts more. Uh, I believe he's up to 87 miles an hour. The curveball had a chance. Uh, and what I liked about him too is um, he challenged guys and he got knocked around a little bit in the first inning, came right back out with a clean second inning, just kept yeah. competing, just had that, that cornerback like memory, like, okay, you just got to flush that and get out there and keep throwing strikes. So um, really exciting upside for him. And, and one of the guys catching the Texas Rangers pitchers, AJ DePaulo, um, another Vanderbilt commitment, this one from Prestonwood Christian Academy in Plano, I was really impressed with his receiving ability behind the plate. This is a guy that we saw at the um, the, the Pudge World Classic, uh, one of our big events for Five Tool Summer, was a standout there, moved really well down the line. Um, got to kind of bear down on him a little bit more as a catcher just because we are just focusing on one game at a time, and I liked what I saw. Um, we know there's some catch and throw skill in there, but the way he moved defensively, um, the swings he took in the batter's box, I thought he had good good swing-take decisions. Um, but really the receiving stuck out to me and he's a guy that uh, I was like, yeah, I can, I can see why Vanderbilt came down to Texas to get their catcher for this class. Yeah. Just, you know, always a high energy guy, super mm-hmm. athletic. Um, you know, I think <clears throat> one of the best things that you can say about a catcher in some of these events like this is that you don't notice them as much. Right. Um, you know, cause I think, you know, we talked about it some last week, but, it's this, these types of events are tough on catchers just because a lot of times you've never seen this guy pitching, mm-hmm. or you might not have even gotten to warm him up in the bullpen. And that first <clears throat> fastball, you know, you, you get a lot of these guys that are overthrowing a little bit uh, just because of the stage that they're on. And not everybody, but, you know, if that ball moves a little bit more than you're expecting, or you just haven't seen it and know what it typically does, yeah. that can be tough. And I thought this group, uh, this group of catchers for the 24s uh, and 25s did a really good job of that. So, you know, and you mentioned AJ. AJ was the most valuable catcher at the Pudge. Um, but, you know, obviously a guy that Vanderbilt targeted early and, um, you know, just an, a good athletic profile, a guy that can really throw high energy and mm-hmm. he's fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, we'll talk about a couple other catchers down here. I think this group, you know, their catching group overall – um, really strong group in this 2024 class. And two guys I hadn't seen in person that I was really excited about, David Hoggins second um, from Oak Ridge and then Dante Lewis from, from Shadow Creek, two Houston area guys. Uh, Hogg committed to LSU. Dante Lewis um, actually uncommitted. 
um, really good football prospect as well. Um, you know, both guys, really exciting prospects, really exciting upside. Um, Hog, I, I liked the, the, you know, we talked about handling the baseball defensively. Um, I, I thought he, he was fairly advanced for his age in terms of being able to bounce around the diamond a little bit and handle the baseball and things like that. Um, you can see the promise in the batter's box with the bat, you know, why LSU um, jumped on his commitment. There's, there's going to be some, few, there's already some, I think some gap to gap juice, the ability to kind of drive one over the wall. I think he's going to grow into some more as well. Um, you know, Dante Lewis is just, I think there's there's probably a little bit bigger gap between where he is and where he could become, which is really exciting because he's already a really, really good prospect. But um, just watching the way he moves, watching the way he competed in the batter's box, just um, the athletic physical projection, um, you know, the skill that's going to even improve even more with reps. Uh, that's certainly a guy that, um, you know, I'm kind of underlining Shadow Creek as, as a place to potentially get during the high school season. And I, I'm sure that, uh, there's going to be a long list of, of D1 programs that are that are talking to Dante Lewis and, and trying to figure out uh, where he wants to go to college because there's a lot of talent there and there's a lot of physical upside as well. But there's some football in there too. He's a quarterback. Yeah. So uh, that may be another piece of the puzzle for him. But yeah, super athletic, uh, really fun to watch. You could see, you know, it's exciting with guys like him that are, you know, good already, but there's a lot more in the tank because yeah. you could, he was one of the guys in this group that I felt like, got better as the days went, um, you know, it just got more comfortable and, you know, they, these guys, they go out there and they're showing that they can belong. Um, and I thought Dante fit in that group for sure. Uh, did a really good job, hit a triple, uh, showed off the athleticism, you know, and I think another thing that's probably tough for some of these guys is they were bouncing around from position to position, yeah, um, playing both spots in the middle infield, moving out to outfield. And, you know, I think that just, you know, only, uh, improves their stock when it comes to college and, and pro scouts. Um, speaking of which, you know, a guy that I think we've targeted for being definitely one of the best position guys in the state is Wyatt Sanford and him mm -hmm. commit from Frisco independence. But um, I don't think he did anything to change our minds on that opinion out there. He was um, super smooth with the ball. Um, you know, I think he's, he's had a thumb issue that's been bothering him towards the back end of the, of, of the summer, but, um, just, man, it, everything he does is pretty and it's smooth. Um, and he's going to be a guy that, you know, is going to be able to stay at shortstop. He's got the athletic profile. He hits the ball hard. He's got a sweet swing. Um, and he made a transfer on a play at, at short. That I was just like, Oh yeah, that's, that's different. Uh, he looked, he looked like one of those California infielders, um, on that, but he is, he is elite with the glove. Um, just a really exciting player to watch. Yeah, no, heading into this, you know, he was kind of a guy we both discussed is, um, you know, potentially there's, he's going to be in the conversation as the, the best infield prospect in the state for that 2024 class. And I don't think he did anything um, to change that. Just the really exciting all around tools. I mean, the run, the throw, the hit, um, you know, the physical upside that's going to come, certainly a really, really exciting player. Um, Hagen Shed, you know, from Canyon Randall, we saw him in the pudge, um, on that off speed athletics blue team that that stood out. Uh, he can play all over the place. You know, I, I know some colleges like him on the mound. Um, he played a lot of shortstop when we saw him at the pudge. Uh, he played a, a lot of outfield, um, for the Rangers out in San Diego. And he's another guy, I think, as, as the at bats started piling up a little bit um really settled in offensively 
uh, put the ball in play a lot. Uh, wasn't a lot of swing and miss um, in his profile. He's an athletic guy, can run a little bit. Um, I'll, I'll be curious to see where he kind of settles in defensively long term. Um, he's one of those guys that just he, he could realistically play every position on the diamond besides maybe yeah. catcher. Um, but as those skill reps increase and things like that, I think his defense has got a chance to really improve. But um, I was impressed with what he did with the bat, got in there, wasn't overmatched, um, started timing pitches, started putting the ball in play and, and, you know, wasn't shy about competing in the batter's box. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm going to, you know, beat a dead horse on this, but he, he, for me was one of those guys that, you know, sometimes, you know, these guys are some of the best around where they come from. And sometimes they're not sure how they stack up on a national stage. Mm -hmm. And these type of events can be sink or swim in that regard. And, you know, I think Hayden Hagen, excuse me, went up there with a little bit of, um, I don't, you know, know that he wasn't confident, but you didn't feel it early on in the event like you did at the end. And, and like you said, he just kept getting it better from at bat to at bat. And that's really encouraging because you like to see that because, you know, you, you get to see these guys prove that they belong. And I think that's definitely what Hagen did over the course of the weekend. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Um, really exciting two-way prospect. Um, I know that he's got a lot of recruiting attention already. A um, couple catchers, you know, we talked about Andrew DePaulo and how strong this group was. Um, Nolan Traeger committed to TCU from Concordia Lutheran. Uh, definitely one of my favorite left-handed swings in the class. I mean, there's a lot of bat speed there. There's, there's some torque. There's some future impact. I think he's got some raw power in there. Um, another one of those guys, uh, the, this catching group did a really good job. I mean, you could always hear those guys talking the game, you know, mm -hmm. talking to their pitchers, talking to their defense, just providing that that kind of that confident energy. And, and he was one of those guys. And then um, Kate Aaron B-Day, man, uh, I, I think that he probably comes out of this as like the talk of that team, at least from a position oh, yeah. player standpoint. Um, we've always, I've always seen the raw power, you know, he's, when I went to go watch, um, Jarrett Curtis and Tomball Memorial play, um, Chase Moore and Tomball and Aaron B is obviously on Tomball as well. I got down there a little early to, to go see a batting practice. Um, and he, Aaron B day put on a show. It was like, okay, this is, this is already yeah. pretty real raw power. And he put yeah. on a show at area code batting practice. And then he got into the game and man, um, he hit a ball the first game, just roped a double that was really loud off the bat. And then, and then unfortunately when my phone was overheating, he hit a ball <laughs> on Saturday. He hit the ball so hard to left center field. It hit a tree branch and knocked the branch off the tree. Like that's how hard this guy hit the ball. And Oh, by the way, he had pop times in the 1.9 range in game with a strong, accurate arm. Like I, I was, I was blown away. Um, I saw when I saw him in the high school season, I was like, okay, there's a lot of tools here. He caught some for Tom ball, but not, a, not a lot. We know how that goes sometimes, you know, with the high school teams and the older players and everything else, he played some third base. I was like, yeah, he's, he moves pretty well over there for, for, uh, for a guy that's, that's uh, primarily a catcher. Uh, he went out to San, San Diego and was a monster prospect. Um, just a really, really excited about, um his future as a 2024 standout yeah he tools were loud um everything that he did was stood out <laughs> you know he yeah. caught and throw really caught and threw really well several sub two pop times threw multiple guys out stealing um the bp we've talked about was different <laughs> yeah uh, for got most guys his age 
just a really good showing for Cade and probably leads the country in mispronunciations of his last name. Yeah, um, I've probably done it once or and, twice. Well, they, they were kind of joke out there. With, like you could tell the kids in the dugout were laughing because the announcer kept calling him Aram Bide. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've heard Aram Bide, Aram Bide, uh, Aram Bide, and you, I'm imagining that that's not going to end anytime soon, but eventually these people will get it right. Um, but he lets his talk on the or field on or his play on the field talk um, for that. And they'll know his name soon enough. Um, much like uh, 2025 big, big time player, Luke Billings. Yeah. Um, we've talked about him at length before. Um, it's funny because, you know, we got to see him play on varsity as a freshman where he held his own. Um, you know, both from a skill standpoint and physically, then we got to see him back down with some of some of the guys his age, where physically he's kind of a man man amongst boys, and then we get to go see him against the best of the best in his age group in the grade above, um, and he you know continued to produce, uh, hit a home run, uh, played a bunch of different positions. I think the biggest question with him is always going to be what does he end up doing at the next level. Uh, we've seen him catch we've seen him play outfield we've seen him hit we've seen him pitch and he's pretty good at all of that so you know just figuring out where he lands ultimately it's not something obviously that he needs to decide now but it's going to be exciting to follow and see what he ends up doing um and then i'll let you talk about your favorite guy man the guy i appreciate him putting on a show for me that that i got on video and right out of the box Right. First at bat for the Rangers, just whack. Casey Cunningham just all over a changeup and hits a triple um, to right field. It was the first of three hits that day. And it just put on display while it, it's it's a plus future hit tool. Um, and, you know, he had, he showed some really impressive defensive skill, too, with what he did at shortstop. <clears throat> You know, he, he didn't play it much during the high school season. Um, you know, Ryan Farber, who's committed to Texas State, who's a really good shortstop, played a lot of shortstop for them. And I think they had a senior second baseman. Um, so Cunningham, you know, I saw him one game, he was a DH. The other game, he played in the outfield. Uh, that That's a guy that's going to play on the dirt um, in the future because it was impressive there defensively. But the bat, this was a major standout. You know, first at bat, just misses a couple fastballs, fouls him back, um, just all over a two-strike changeup just kind of speaks to the way he, I think he sees the ball. He just, just his at bats are just a little bit different in terms of naturally, um, you know, what he's capable of doing and, and how he tracks pitches and how he has feel for the barrel and all those sorts of things. And, and we know he can run and things like that, but uh, on the big stage as a 2025 prospect, you know, Texas tech commitment, um, you know, made another really strong case that when it comes time to rank those guys, which is still a year from now, but when that time comes, uh, he's he's definitely going to be in conversation um, as the top prospect in, in, in 2025, just because there aren't many guys um, that can really hit uh, like he can. Yeah, so moving on to Matt Millett, um really showed well on the mound. Um, Mm -hmm. We've seen him on the mound. We've seen him, uh, we've seen him at the plate, but Matt is physical. Uh, The Texas commit out of Mansfield Lake Ridge um, does everything violently. He comes at you. uh, It's intimidating. And that was as good as I've seen him on the mound. Um, He just really attacked and had, had a couple of good innings and, and really showed well. Um, You know, I think he overwhelmed some hitters in his innings and, 
uh, you know, had a lot better control than I've seen him have before. Um, he attacked with all of his pitches and, and really performed well uh, for the Rangers group. Um, and then, you know, moving to the next guy, Marcos Paz, uh, he is one of my favorites. I'm not going to be shy about it. Um, just his demeanor and the way he goes about everything he does, um, you know, that low heart rate that we talk about a yeah. lot. Um, I've seen him a couple outings, you know, either give up hits or have errors made behind him or, you know, just face a little bit of adversity and things don't go his way. You'd never know it by the way mm -hmm. he reacts. And that is a trait that you really can't teach. Um, yeah. You know, it's tough for guys his age. Um, it's tough for guys at the next level, too. Uh, but you, you're never going to know what the situation is if you watch his uh, body language. But strike thrower, three pitches. Um, if he makes that next jump in velo, I mean, he's we're going to be talking about him in a couple of years as being the top top couple rounds, no doubt, if he ends up going out of high school. But, you know, the physically, he's very impressive. Yeah. Um, the stuff is really good, obviously. And but. He, he belongs on every stage that he can find. Um, he's, he's a, he's a special pitcher and I just love to watch him pitch in the way and watch him go about things. Um, because he, he does a really good job of, um, moving the ball around, holding runners. He's athletic, feeling his position. So, um, huge future for him. I don't think he realizes how good he could possibly be, but he's a special talent and he's going to be a guy that's going to be a headliner for that loaded Hebron high school team um, for for years to come. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of jokingly referred to him on Twitter as old man pause because, you know, it's just like, like you said, the way he carries himself and, you know, that he, I think there's like a swinging bunt and like a defensive misplay. I mean, he had some things happening around him. Pass during ball, his outing. strike. Yeah. Like that, that, you know, just were unfortunate bad breaks and it'd be easy for a guy, especially in that sort of setting, especially for somebody his age to kind of get down and lose focus and, and lose control in the mound and things like that. And he just kept coming after people. Let's get that lively fastball with some sink to it. That was up to 89 miles an hour. The slider was up to 82 miles an hour and the change up at 80. Um, all three pitches are, are strong. And um, I kind of remarked to somebody as he was walking around the field, I was like, it kind of looks like, freaking Madison Bumgarner out there just kind of the, the big old shoulders and physical and the way he carries himself with so much confidence and that delivery that he repeats and all that sort of stuff but um really really exciting future and yeah going back to Millet too I was up to 93 miles an hour and um one of those fastballs you can hear it sizzling in there um it's coming in there on a line and um, I was impressed because he's a taller guy with length and I think he's still going to mm -hmm. fill out some more. There's kind of a loose frame that that's got some projection to it. And sometimes those guys, they don't get out in front and really finish well. And he just, even with the length and the arm action, got out in front and really finished his stuff. And that really showed with the fastball. So he's going to, he's already throwing really hard. Um, he's going to throw even harder in the future. That could be a guy that we're talking about in a couple of years. And like, yeah, he's, you know, he's bumping the upper 90s when he wants to and, and sitting in the low to mid 90s um, out there carrying his stuff. So it was really cool to, to get a look at him out there. Um, and then Austin Phillips, like I we saw him in the summer and, um, you know, I, I thought, man, this guy's really interesting. He's got some tools. Uh, he went out to San Diego and like I was blown away. Um, just the the the, the confidence uh, in the hands defensively with some of the plays he made there. 
um, just just wanted the baseball, not shy at all about about getting on the dirt and, and being a part of the action. And then with the bat, timed fastballs, um, good pass to the baseball, showed some impact. He had a couple of extra base hits, really hit the baseball hard. Not a lot of swing and miss in his profile, just really saw the baseball well. I think Oklahoma's got to be fired up. Uh, about what Austin Phillips already is and what he could become in the future. Um, although there might be a chance he becomes too good <laughs> when yeah. it comes time for scouts to really evaluate that, that class. But I, I was extremely impressed um, with the way he carried himself both offensively and defensively and how, how easy the game came to him and how well he played. Yeah. He, he was one of my most pleasant surprises on the whole, the, throughout the whole event um, because he 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 performed in a lot more skilled way um, than I had seen him earlier in the summer. And that's not to say he played poorly or anything at all, uh, but he just took it to another level is what yeah. he did. He elevated um, the game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like he, he's really stuck out for me um, as far as the way he performed um, as far as results go and just the way it looked Um he he didn't look out of place any anywhere that he played on the field, um, made some loud contact and just yeah. played hard. Um, and he made one really good play at third base that I thought was that really stood out to me. But I mean, he can he can no doubt stay on the left side of the field yeah. um, at, at the next level. And man, if that bat continues to really refine itself, I mean, you're like you said, that's a special player. Um, and and you're going to be talking about conversations of whether or not he does get to Norman but I know that that staff is really excited about him and they should be because he is he's different I mean he he really showed out well and uh performed at a high level on the biggest stage yeah yeah another guy that's that's an Oklahoma commitment Matthew Scott from Client Oak was uh was the talk of the of the Rangers batting practice session um and, and we saw it firsthand at the Pudge uh Pudge World Classic just the amount of, I mean, how many homers did he hit that week? Five, I think like it yeah. ended up being the, the, uh, the most, the, the no offer. doubt. Yeah. The most, no doubt player. Of the turn. Yeah. Like it was just a slam dunk. Like, yeah, this is all right. Okay. We can mark this one off the list for sure. But I um, mean, he was hitting it out of Melissa to all parts of the field. Like it was, he was almost miss hitting home runs the opposite way. <laughs> and uh, he showed that really intriguing raw power during batting practice. And, uh, he started to get into that as the weekend went. He just missed a homer to left field. Uh, I believe it resulted in a triple towards the left field wall. And uh, uh, another guy that, like, this group overall, like, I thought a lot of them had really good just swing-take decisions. Like, even when they didn't quite get two pitches or fouled them or, or whatever it was, you didn't see many guys that were just whiffing at balls in the dirt, chasing fastballs out of the zone. And, and he was another one that – um you know was patient um didn't really chase too much and i think as the event went on settled in and started to show that power a little bit more but uh he's another one that there's a lot of i I think there's still a a gap between where he is now and where he could become especially as he gets into that power a little bit more gets more reps defensively in the outfield to kind of show those tools a little bit more but uh he's certainly a guy that there is a lot of buzz um, about his his future upside in this class as a guy that's um, get a chance to be really heavily scouted when it comes comes time for the 2024 class to be the focus. Yeah, I mean it's just it, over and over. It's it, we're going to wear out this theme, but these guys that are super projectable like like Matt is 
aren't projects, right? Like right. they're already good and performing at a high level. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, not a lot of swing and miss that you would expect at this age going against this type of pitching. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's exciting, scary for some probably uh, to, to think that these guys can continue to get a lot better because yeah. they're already performing at a high level. Um, and that's, what's fun about this event is, you know, we get to really see if they can do it against elite pitching. And I, I, I didn't feel like there was anybody on the roster that had a tough time with that. And I've seen it out there to where some guys go out there and, you know, just show that they're a little bit further away than you originally thought. But I thought the opposite about both this group and the older group. Um, you know, and another guy that I saw, uh, you know, that we got to see at the beginning of Area Code this year that I'd seen early in the year was Minjay So. Um, and Minjay performed really well. His stuff was really good. Um, I I saw him against uh against a loaded Prestonwood team and probably would tell you that that wasn't his best outing. Um, and, you know, I think the game got sped up on him a little bit back then, but man, he looked really good. I thought, um, and I know Vanderbilt's excited about him, but flash, you know, really, really attacked the fastball more than he had in high school ball. Um, and I like to see that. And then, you know, we know the breaking ball is obviously a plus pitch and, um, you know, he's got at least two really good offerings that are going to be above average at the next level on day one. Yeah, up to 90, um, you know, breaking ball kind of manipulated it some, um, you know, 71 to 74. And then the changeup got some swings and misses at 78, which was a real weapon mm-hmm. against lifting at pitchers. He's mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot to like. I mean, the way he moves on the mound, kind of that loose athleticism. Uh, there's some projection. Um, there's some arm speed. Um, there's already some feel to pitch. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, when you see Vanderbilt come to Texas and get a 2025 arm, I mean, this is, this is kind of what you expect. You know, the guy's mm-hmm. got a chance to be, you know, the top arm in the state uh, for his class I was certainly impressed with him. Um, I, 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 we didn't get to, did you get to see Jordan stripling? I did not, um, but I, had I did just, not. I saw we- him at the pudge and then I saw him at the TSA, um, prospect all-star game down in Sugarland and um big lefty throws extremely hard there's a ton of upside especially as he refines his control and gets more comfortable repeating his delivery and the and those sorts of things but you gotta you gotta you know a couple reports from the way he threw um sound like he threw harder than the at least that I've seen and yeah. uh the breaking yeah. stuff really flashed yeah, he had a he he showed a really good slider um, up to ninety three. Uh, had a couple of coaches from areas that haven't gotten to see him much uh, reach out about him, but you know the upside is there. I mean he he's got a chance to be really good. He reminds me of Kyle Muller at that okay. age. Uh, big physical, you know, pretty much from the same exact area. Um, you know, Jordan goes to Highland Park, and and Kyle was a Jesuit guy, but um, just big physical athletic lefty that you can tell has a lot in the tank yeah and you know he he's going to be a guy that's going to have a lot of a lot of attention from scouts over the next couple of years and he's a good basketball player um so you know there's some athleticism there mm-hmm. uh but he's going to have a chance to be a really really dominant force on the scene in the dfw area for a while or for the yeah. next couple of years before he um you know, uncommitted, one of the few high profile guys that's uncommitted right now. But speaking of another uncommitted guy, one of my favorites, 
uh, a kid that we got to see at one of our academic showcases in January, Nathan Tobin. Mm -hmm. Um, He's a guy that really, really responded to a step up in competition. He was, he had a really good week. I think he hit 500 um, over the weekend, but, you know, got in the box, wasn't afraid, uh, uh, took what was given to him from a pitch standpoint. He drove some balls the other way. Uh, Nathan can really run. Um, You know, I think he's going to be a guy that some of the big time programs in Texas are going to be on. Uh, But just a really, really good athlete and just showed really, really good bat to ball skills. Um, He was always on time, never seemed to be fooled. And I've seen him hit a few times that he's got some sneaky pop too. Yeah. Um, You know, he's listed at 5'11", 170. uh, But he definitely has some power that can get the ball out of the ballpark and definitely gap power. And with his speed is, uh, you know, going to be a guy that you can envision being a special college player. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking for my, my, through my notes. because I knew we had a runtime on him and I've got four zero nine written down, which is obviously yeah. yep. uh, really good. Um, right in that white Sanford range. I think he was at, I got one for him for four, one, three. So um, can really, really move it. Like you said, getting the bat to the baseball um you know just not a lot of swing and miss i think there is some knowledge of of situational hitting you know where he is in the count what the pitcher's throwing that sort of thing and and how to kind of tweak his approach to match what's going on in the game and just compete and, and put the ball in play and see what happens but um yeah really really exciting pros- prospect because there's there's going to be a lot of growth that continues to occur as the reps pile up and things like that but uh, plus run um, chance to be one of the better left-handed hitters in the class uh, for sure. And going back to Stribling a little bit, I, I got to imagine that there's a lot of um, either head coaches that are pitching guys or, you know, well-established pitching coaches that that's a major D ones that are kind of looking at a guy like that, like, Oh man, you know, the, the growth yeah. that could occur if we get that guy on campus and really leverage his gifts. Cause like you said, you know, the basketball part, the basketball element of it, like, you know, there, you, you've got to be athletic to be the type of basketball player that he is. Um, so just a really, really exciting prospect, but yeah, Nathan Tobin was a guy that I hadn't seen yet. was really excited to see him. Um, he got some extra swings with our guy Peabody before heading out there, San Diego, which was a, a legend back in the, the 12 U 13 U days and stuff like that. So that was, that was pretty cool to see. Yeah. Um, but a, a really, really exciting player for sure. And, uh, definitely one of the better, um, outfield prospects and one of the better hitters potentially in that 2024 class. Yeah. Well, you know, another guy we got to see our first look at for me, at least was Taylor Tracy, uh-huh. uh, Tennessee commit out of, um, dripping Springs, uh, but really athletic, um, good pitch mix, uh, attacked, you know, I thought repeated a lot better than you would expect for a guy his size at his age. Frank Anderson did a good job of getting in there early. And, uh, you know, obviously Frank knows what he likes and he goes and gets it. But just another good young arm in, in Texas that that's going to be a, a force over the next couple of years. Yeah, he ended up throwing three shutout innings, one hit, one walk, seven strikeouts um, because yeah. he just really worked in the zone. Uh, extremely well fastball 85 87 changeup 80 to 81 and then curveball at 73 i'd seen him play for dripping swings i never seen him pitch i only saw him play the outfield 
um, and swing the bat a little bit. So I was really excited to see what he was like on the mound. And like you said, Tennessee did a great job getting in there because um, there's some physical upside, there's stuff upside, but there's some pitchability in there too. And, you know, I thought that the first couple of batters, heart rate was going a little bit fast. He really settled in, really competed and got after people. His stuff played up, um, you know, the fastball played up. Uh, he just showed he could pitch with with three strong pitches and a really exciting uh, two way prospect. But I, I think it's fair to say um, the the future ability on the mound as a left handed starting pitcher uh, is definitely really exciting. And speaking of two way prospects, Brayden Bergman, all he's done all summer is throw really really hard and strike out a lot of guys, um, and that's what he did it out of the area code. He had uh, two short outings. Uh, both an inning apiece where the fastball really played strongly. Um, he was up to 93 miles an hour in that first outing um, with a, a change up in the curveball as well. He had a little bit of sinking action to the heater sometimes uh, just came after people. I mean, he he's, he's a power arm and he's going to come after you that way and challenge you with some good stuff. And uh, I thought he had a strong event with the bat too. Um, he did. showed some power, you know, he, he got into a ball for an extra base hit the opposite way pulled the ball a little bit. He's just a baseball player, you know, yep. just one of those guys. Okay. Hey, you want me to go play here? You want me to go play defense. You want me to hit? you want me to get on the mound and close out a game for you. Uh, I can do it. Uh, I think Baylor's got to be extremely excited about that commitment and the guy that's, that's really had a really strong summer. And um, I think that probably his future is on the mound, but man, I was impressed with what he did with the bat. Um, there, there's some impact in there and a kind of a, a physical guy. And you can see how the strength translates to his game, both on the mound and with the, with the bat in his hand. Yeah. Well, I was really interested to see him hit. I mean, we, we've known for a long time that he can really pitch, uh, but you know, he, he's a guy that's a big physical guy. And, you, you know, as a, as a dominant player at that age, you don't always know if it's skill, you know, how much is skill related versus just being, flat out stronger and, you know, more mature than other guys. Yeah. Um, and this event proved that the guy can hit. Yeah. Um, I was very pleasantly, uh, I don't, I don't want to say surprised because I've seen him be good all summer. Um, but, you know, for him to stack up and show the athleticism at the plate and on the bases and just the way that he handled really good pitching was really impressive. So much so that, I mean, I, you know, I think that there was going to be a chance that, that he could do both at Baylor. But yeah. I mean, he's a guy that I think that you try to get in the lineup and then maybe use him as a closer early yes. on. Yes. Um, he's, he's a guy that athletically and physically can handle that. Um, and I, I mean, he, he was as good as anybody on the team from a production standpoint out there this week. And Baylor's thrilled to death, you know, because he's a, he's a bell type bell cow type guy for them and their program and that class. Um, but just a just had a really outstanding performance over the course of the weekend, and then another Baylor commit, Hudson Emeterio from uh, from Argyle. For me, I saw him early in the spring, about midway through the spring against Denton Geyer, and he threw a lot of fastball and changeup. Um, I thought he could really pitch then, um, and I didn't see the breaking ball that he's flashed some this summer. So you add, add that in there and you got, you're talking about three plus pitches yeah. um, on top of being able to really know how to pitch, but I mean, not just this event, but um, some leading up to it, you know, there's been a talk about his breaking ball really making a jump and mm -hmm. uh, he showed it out there in San Diego and, 
you know, with the body and the projection and his pitch ability, he's a guy that's going to have a chance to contribute early at Baylor. Yeah, I think that's a guy that we're gonna we're gonna talk about throughout these next couple of years, um, just because I think that there's there's gonna be a chance that he just really takes that next step in the stuff. As you mentioned, the stuff. I mean, there's a chance that's bat missing stuff with a really good fastball. So, well, that tech takes us through the Texas Rangers uh, underclass group again. Really impressed with these guys overall, just the way they carry themselves. Um, how physical they were, um, you know, how they competed in the batter's box, what they did on the mound. Uh, it's it's a really, really uh, exciting group for sure. A lot of those 2024 20, guys, and even some of those, uh, those big name famous 2025 guys certainly did not look out of place and, and overwhelmed. You know, Billings with a homer. Casey Cunningham was great. Paws looked the part. Um, Sal was really, really good on the mound. And then Tracy, you know, seven strikeouts and in, in three scoreless innings. So uh, those guys more than hold, held their own. And uh, we'll run through these uh, these other teams. Um, again, we didn't see as much as we saw um, with the upper class group, but um, we did we did get our eyes on on a fair amount of, of action before we took off and head back home. And um, do you want to – we'll start with the Oakland A's. I, I'll give you first – First at bat, if you want to talk about your guy in the middle infield there, um, Mr. Rashad Hayes, because um, he looked a part of a, a major, major dude in the future. Yeah, when you talk about that uh, West Coast defensive ability, yeah, um, he might be the poster child. Um, I was talking to uh, to Tom Seeger about some of their guys, because you, as you'll hear as we run through this team, Stanford kind of cornered the market on this group in Northern California um, early, but Rashad Hayes is different. I mean, he yeah. is just, he just, from the get go, you can't take your eyes off of him and defensively it's as pretty as it gets. And there's a couple of them over these uh, California teams that can really pick it. Uh, but Rashad Hayes is special um, out of Bishop O'Dowd in Oakland, but 2025, you know, there, some of the best defenders in this event were 2025. Yeah, I thought, but they were. Rashad highlights that uh, group for me. Um, Charlie Bates, another Stanford guy uh, that from Palo Alto High School, actually 2024, um, that can really play baseball. Uh, he stood out to me. Ian Fernandez from Vintage High School in the Napa area, 24 yeah. catcher. Uh, Xavier Nayans. Um, was a guy that I mean he that guy is a huge get uh, for Oregon State out of Mount Vernon Washington but he is a two-way potential guy that is there is it the sky is the limit for that kid um, Parker Warner from Granada uh, yeah. a lot of pitchability really enjoyed watching him move the ball around change speeds 2024 right-handed pitcher he's an uh, I believe plays with the NorCal program, but he's got a chance to be a big time uh, starter at a major D1 program early on, just because he can he can manipulate speeds, spins, uh, just really knows how to pitch. And it's fun to watch guys like that. And then a little bit of trivia: uh, the next two uh, brothers are from Valley Christian, Quentin and Tatum Marsh. Who do you remember? A famous. I'll call them famous duo of brothers that came from Valley Christian going back to your days as a recruiting guy when it comes to football. Yeah. The, the Johnson brothers, Kirk and, yep. and Colin, Colin is uh, yep. enjoying a nice NFL preseason right now, but 
um, yeah, it's uh, it's funny to see, um, you know, a 2025 and a 2024 brother. I mean, obviously, Kirk and Colin. Kirk was a year older um, than Colin at Valley Christian. But, yeah, how about that? You know, two brothers standing out for the Oakland A's team in, uh, you know, Valley. I don't think Valley Christian's been around that long. I think I want to say the Johnson brothers, like two of their their first really well-known um well-known recruits coming out of there, but yeah, both those guys definitely had a chance for sure. And uh, yeah, you and I've got a lot of the same guys written down. Xavier Nans to me, I mean, was like an, Oh my gosh, good kind of guy, like up to yeah. 91 on the mound, true slider really stood out with the bat as well. Um, you mentioned Ian Fernandez. I had him in a two zero zero pop got on time to the fastball um, Tanner Bradley, you know, one of the uncommitted 2024s out there showed a, a plus change up. Um, you know, the fastball played up. He's only at the 86, but there's a lot of projection there. True slider at 77. Uh, I thought he really pitched and competed well, and that changeup was was definitely a difference maker for sure. Um, Parker Warner was another one of those uncommitted guys. I thought his his fastball was good on the mound. Um, Nick Abram, um, fastball played up, was really competitive, true slider. Um, Ryder Cutlip, um, left on left matchup is one of the, my favorite bats that, that he had. He just really got on time to pitch and had a hard base hit. Um, Austin Nye had a strong four pitch mix. Uh, but yeah, the, to me, you know, Hayes and Nayans, um, those guys were just kind of a little bit, a little bit different. Um, and Anthony Shepler too, I thought really tracked the baseball well, um, as a left-handed hitter that, uh, he's got a chance to, to be a, to be a dude in that class as well. But yeah, just that's running through the, the Oakland athletics, a lot of Northern California um, prospects uh, moving the SoCal with the Milwaukee Brewers. Let's keep the theme going with these 2025 dudes because uh, Billy Carlson from Corona. Um, I watched one at bat and it was kind of, it was kind of reminiscent of when I watched Jared Thomas take his first at bat because there's just the way that he tracked, baseballs and like how he 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 took pitches that many guys don't take and kind of whiff at or want to swing at it just it seemed like there's some things going on mentally that are really advanced um i think he's gonna hit he made a couple plays defensively we talk about those smooth confident hands and those loose actions and one in the baseball it was like yeah yeah this is this is what you look for in a guy in the middle of the infield it's a 2025 prospect uh, really, really exciting player. I think he's got some huge upside. I left a, um, he was probably my favorite amongst the position players I saw in 2025. Well, maybe our guy from the White Sox that we'll talk about soon, but uh, yeah. Billy Carlson to me was a definite dude on that Milwaukee Brewers team. Yeah. And an, another guy that just seemed to have a really good feel and going back to a left on left matchup, um, Derek Curiel, uh, from yes. Orange Lutheran. That at bat that he had against Cam Caminiti was fun to watch. And we kind of joked, you know, like their future LSU commits um, and they may not get there because those guys are both really, really good. Um, But for a lefty like him to stand in there against the stuff that Caminiti was throwing was pretty fun to watch. That was one of the better showdowns of the entire uh, upperclassmen or underclassmen. couple other guys for me, Daniel Arambula uh, from Ukaipa, LSU commit. Um, Brady Ebel, uncommitted. Uh, I saw he just made the USA team out of Etiwanda High School in Cucamonga, 2025 guy. Lincoln Garcia out of uh, Huntington Beach. 
uh, Arizona commit, man, there's some physicality there. 25 guy. He does not look like a 2025. Um, Seth Hernandez, uncommitted pitcher from yeah. Elite Charter Academy in the Chino area, 2025. Really knows how to pitch. Can really spin it. Um, I'll butcher the name here. Um, Okai Kia um, from Kamahamaha High School in Honolulu. Uh, had one of the most impressive offensive showings in the entire event, uh, big physical catcher, um, and just really looks the part and really produced over the course of the weekend. But those were the guys that stood out for me from the Brewers, but man, there, there are a lot of really good, uh, looking baseball players and bodies on those teams. Yeah, there was. Yeah. I had Seth Hernandez written down as well, up to 92 miles an hour, high-waisted athlete. He's, you know, for 2025, he's got a ton of upside. And then Bryce Rayner, an infielder, um, shows some juice, shows some game power. Um, I, I think that he's got a chance to be a major hitter. I'm um, in that 2024 class from Harvard Westlake. Seems like they're always pumping out big time talents. And uh, yeah, AKK uh, had a bomb off of off of Caminetti, um, and uh, just was a loud shot. Um, he went to area code uncommitted. I don't know if that's still the case, but. Um, I imagine with his showing out there in San Diego, he's going to have his pick um, for major D1 programs um, in the future for sure. So uh, switching let over me, to the watch. Let me, let me go back and mention Cohen Gomez impressed me. Uh, Stanford commit out of uh, Canyon High School in Anaheim. Um, I thought was, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot there. Um, he's got a big time arm and he's going to have a chance to to pitch early at Stanford. A lot of Stanford guys, you know, especially yeah. as we go through the California schools, which makes sense, but they've clearly done their work on these 24s and 25s. Uh, the Washington Nationals group, which, like the upper class group, was a collection of a lot of Southeast um, area prospects. And, um, you know, Terrence Keel had one of the highlights of the event from Pace Academy in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, he hit an absolute bomb against the Rangers team, and he was feeling himself. He knew it off the bat. Um, he, he pimped it a little bit, but those super loud tools and a lot of performance out here at this event. Um, you know, he can kind of has a skill to kind of play all over the place defensively, but, um, he can hit and, and a couple other guys I think can really hit Noah Franco, an outfielder from IMG Academy of 2025. Um, he really stood out to me as a major, major left-handed hitting prospect. Um, Michael Kalinich. Um, from Lake Brantley, 2024 prospect. He had a game. East Carolina knock. commit. Oh, East Carolina. We we know yeah. that they like their hitters for sure. And he had a game winning knock uh, for that Rangers team as well. Um, Ethan Murray, a uh, big physical right-handed hitter. I think he's got major upside um, from Buford in Georgia. Um, going down the list here, uh, pitching wise, William Schmidt, I thought had one of the better curveballs that I saw um from catholic high school in baton rouge louisiana just was a hammer um breaking ball and mississippi state commit out of that oh geez going into baton rouge and taking one from the tigers yeah how about that that uh that might be uh yeah. that might be a battle as as time goes on because his stuff was it's got a chance for sure um dalton wentz uh another guy that just looks like a major major hitting talent um as as a guy it's a two-way talent but can play around the infield. Um, Samuel Cozart, six foot seven, 230 pound, 2025 prospect. How would you like to be that? Right handed pitcher was up to 93 miles an hour. 
Um, had some shake to his breaking stuff as well. Anthony Wilkie, six foot six, right-handed pitcher in 2024 class from Gainesville, uh, was also up to 93 miles an hour as well. So this Washington Nationals team, both the underclass and the upper class, they went and found some guys that throw yeah. really, really hard, and they found some toolsy guys that can hit as well. Yeah, a couple for me, Presley Corville, um, Barb High School in Lake Charles, AM commit. I thought it was funny. This is not confirmed, so I'm but I'm picking up on some clues, but I thought it was funny that I'm I'm thinking who his grandfather is the one that I was sitting by. And from and I assumed he was just listening to what he was saying, I picked up that I think that that's his grandson. But decked out in LSU stuff. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, just some of some of the old Tiger faithful just can't aren't aren't gonna aren't gonna lend in. I'm sure he'll be rooting for his grandson, but I'm assuming Nolan Kane used his Louisiana ties to go in and get Presley, uh, 2025 commit from uh, <clears throat> from Barb. Uh, you talked about Terrence Kyle, uh, Ariston VC, big time catch and throw guy. Him and Kate. Aaron Beattie are going to be some of the bigger name catchers in that class. Conrad Kaysen, big physical uh, Mississippi State commit out of Greater Atlanta Christian in Norcross, Georgia. Um, Colt Myers, um, he's one of those guys I made a note, and it took me about 15 minutes this morning <laughs> to like figure out what exactly my handwriting said, but was a ball handler. So he was a guy that really you know just moves the right way to the ball, um, you know, has really good hands and has since committed to Florida, uh, since the, you know, he's from, he's from Bartram trail, Florida, um, uh, or Bartram, excuse me, Bartram trail high school in St. John's, Florida, but had a really good event. Um, and then, uh, Landon Victorian, another Barb, uh, big arm, um, uh, 2024, uh, I think uncommitted right now. And then like you mentioned, William Smith, was good, really good get for Mississippi State to go into Baton Rouge and get him. Yeah, I think Barb. Like, I want to say that's a that's a. I feel like I've seen a lot of big names come out of there before. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh Actually, Prince, Lake Charles, for pretty, sure. Think, pretty sure Josh Prince was a was a Barb. Yes, guy, yes, just you're a, right. A loaded, a loaded program. Um, they're good every year. Yeah. So. Uh, moving to the Cincinnati Reds, which again was a collection of a lot of Arizona. Um, some Nevada, some Colorado, some Utah, um, kind of that region um, of the United States. And I got to start with my guy, Cameron Caminetti, because I i mean, I know that there were, I know guys like Max Clark were there and, and uh, um, Noble Meyer and a bunch of huge, huge names. Travis Decor, Blake Mitchell in that upper class group. I think Cameron Caminetti might have been the best prospect I saw in San Diego. Mm -hmm. Uh 2025 left-handed pitcher. He also hits too. Six foot two, um, 195 pounds um from Saguaro in Scottsdale, which is another well-known high school. True four-pitch mix, uh, fastball up to 94, true curveball, true changeup, true, true slider. All four pitches can miss bats. Um, all four have kind of distinct shape that you kind of look for with those pitches. He checks the physical boxes. He checks the athleticism box. Um, he checked the competitive box out there as well. I mean, just an unbelievable pitching talent. Um, that just was like, it was wow. Like you are a 2025 guy, huh? That's yeah. uh, 
that's that's uh that's quite quite the prospect for that class you know one of those guys that looked like he could have easily been pitching up in the upper class event but uh was just extremely extremely intre- impressed with him and then um Ty South and Scene South and Scene South the Scene South South and Scene who I believe is a Tennessee commitment yep. another one of those middle infielders from the Reds or or the California team that like watched them just he's one of those guys that just makes like like throwing the ball around the horn look cool or just yeah, kind of he's a baseball, baseball player he just yep. kind of puts it around his back sometimes and flips it around and kind of those really loose soft hands and super confident actions and let off the game for the Reds by smacking a triple to the wall. Um, even though he's listed at five, nine, one fifty, he's got some really strong hands and wrists. And uh, yeah, we were kind of looking, you know, looking at them taking an out and stuff like that and kind of going down the list. Like, Oh, this guy's a Tennessee commit. Interesting. And then it's like yeah. an inning later. It's like, yep. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. There it is. I can, I can see. And he's he's I, got a good, he's got a little brother. That's really good as well. I can imagine. Um, so I can see that kind of skill running right the family, but uh, really enjoyed watching him play. Um, you know, Will Dart, uh, excuse me, Zane Hawkins, uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico. I, I got him written down as a guy that really stood out the bat from the right side. Um, Huston Wheeler, um, outfielder from Sandra Day O'Connor in Phoenix. I think uh, it's, a, I think it's Zakai Hawkins. Zakai Hawkins, excuse me. Um, you know, a guy that really stood out the bat. Wheeler stood out the bat as well from the left side, and then Max Charles, one of the more interesting guys in the entire event, an ambidextrous pitcher, and it was legitimately good from both sides. And uh, look at my notes, but I think uh, from the left side it was kind of more of the overhand, overhand curveball type look. From the right side, it was more lower slot sinker slider. Through all his pitches for a strike just seamlessly changed from one to the other through hard from both sides. Um, I, it's just like, you don't see many legitimately ambidextrous pitchers who were like actually good or good enough to be an area code guy. You just hardly ever yeah. see that. So uh, it was really, really fun to watch him pitch. And uh, you know, he was out there <laughs> pitching. I had to kind of look at my notes, like, wait a minute. I thought this was, this guy was a righty. And then I looked at, Oh, okay. He actually, he throws with both with both hands and uh fun guy to watch really, really enjoyed watching him. And uh, he's got a lot of upside on the mound moving forward. Yeah. A couple guys I wanted to mention. Um, I didn't get to see them throw, uh, but I've seen them throw eighth and Kroll DBU uh-huh. commit from Valor Christian home of Valor Christian, Christian McCaffrey, the McCaffrey brothers. Okay. Yep. Um, Luke Taylor skyline high school in salt Lake. Really good. Looked really good behind the plate. Had a really hard hit double at one point. Um, going south of scene reminds me a little bit of newly uh, acquired Tennessee transfer Maui Ahuna. Okay. So uh, just re- reminds me a little bit of him. But yeah, he you can just tell he's super confident. Just kind of carries himself like some of those kids in the Tennessee lineup. Um, but very confident, very skilled player that is going to be a big time college player if that's where he ends up. Yeah, yeah, it's uh Reds team, both the upper class and the underclass team kind of had that that same kind of mold. They had some really physical hitters with some power, but also their middle infielders, a lot of fun to watch, and some some real stuff on the mound as well. Uh, moving to the Midwest, the Chicago White Sox, um, like their like their upper class team, uh, they had some big physical guys on the mound, and and one of my favorite arms that I saw was Anson Siebert. Uh, six foot eight right-handed pitcher from Overland Park, Kansas. 
um, up to 93 miles an hour. And it was a really easy 93, just a lot of easy gas uh, for a guy his age and his size to move and repeat the way he did on the mound. It's just one of those guys like, yeah, he's going to sit mid nineties easily in the future, you know, whether it's as a senior in high school or whether it's in college or wherever it is um, it's coming for sure. And uh, one of my favorite guys in the entire event, JD uh, Dix switch hitter, uh, stop. Uh, he's, he's a dude uh, 409 down the line. Um, legitimate swing from both sides of the plate, defensive skill, a sprint to the position, athletic bounce kind of guy. I mean, all around just really, really impressive talent uh, and performed out there as well. So definitely one of the guys that uh, I enjoyed watching when I was out there. Um, Owen Hall, we saw him at one of our events, the Pudge, during the summer. Vanderbilt commitment was up to 91. Uh, I think there's just so much still to come in the tank for him. Kind of a broad shoulders, yeah. bigger guy. There's a lot of a lot of physical projection I think is still going to come for him. Um, and then um, Dante is it uh, Dante Nori, Nori. outfielder. Yep, um, committed to Mississippi State. Uh, top of the order bat, uh, guy that can really hit, can run a little bit, track the ball well defensively in center field. Uh, and then Kavari Thunderbird, shout out to him, best pickoff move I saw the event probably by far. Left handed pitcher, he picked off my man Casey Cunningham with a really quick move to first base. Um, very athletic strike thrower, great competitor on the mound. Uh, just a really fun guy to watch. Um, and he got out there and pitched and challenged guys and, uh, uh, very athletic delivery. And as he adds some weight and some muscle mass, uh, he's going to be a really, really exciting pitching prospect coming out of Chicago. Yeah. A couple, you know, the kind of fun fact about Dante Nori we've heard, uh, at the event, uh, was his dad is a coach for the Raptors, the Toronto Raptors. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So I thought that was kind of neat. Um, JD Dix going back to him. He was a guy that big physical shortstop. Um, we kind of, you know, before we saw him do anything, we we're kind of like, Oh, this guy's huge. Like, you know, is probably going to move off and be a third baseman. And then pretty quickly he made a play and then got down the line and we kind of laughed and we're like, yeah, he can sit there. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah. good, really, really good get for Alabama. Um, Ryan Sloan, a Wake Forest commit from yes. York high school in Illinois. A um, lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff to like there with him, <clears throat> but big physical presence really attacked. I thought uh, Sir Jameson Jones. Um, I just have written out to the side strong. Um, <laughs> big, big physical catcher out of, let's see if you can get a little trivia here. St. Rita of Cassia high school in blue Island, Illinois. Who, who do we know from that high school? Was that Mark Payton's high school? That was Mark Payton's high school. So, uh, good baseball up in that part of the country. Um, I thought Sir Jameson hit a couple balls really hard impressed by him. Um, and th that was my list from there, but a, a big, big physical team. Like I said, Dante Nori looks like he's already been in a college weight program yeah. for a couple of years. He's physical, uh, but he's going to be an exciting fall, uh, player to follow over the next couple of years. Yeah. Wrap it up with the New York Yankees. This, unfortunately for me, was probably the team I saw the least uh, before I had to take off and, and head back home. But I've got two guys starred that I really, really liked. Um, Tag Davis, left-handed hitting first baseman, Maybe my favorite hitter that I saw in the entire underclass. Uh, physical, bat speed, 
uh, feel for the strike zone. Um, even the Finsley moved around the back, had some soft hands, really picked a couple throws as well. But um, just a guy I think that's got to be a really standout bat, both with the power and hit um, in the future from the left side there. And then Sean Griggs, um, infielder, left-handed hitter, um, got on time to some really good fastballs. Uh, just an all-around impressive hitting prospect, a guy that had major just hitter vibes. Like it just seemed like hitting came natural to him. Um, he's got some power that's coming down the pipe as well, 6'2", 180 um, from New Jersey, Red Bank Catholic. So uh, those are two of my guys that were were two of my favorite hitters in the entire event from that Yankees team. You missed the one that I figured you would say right off the bat, Jaden Stroman, Marcus. Oh, Stroman's Marcus's little brother. Little brother. Yeah, so since since the event has ended, he has since committed to Duke, um, like like Marcus. Brother. And I thought it was funny in his commitment post, he had a picture posted from when he was a little kid um, outside of the dish in Austin when we opened the opened the year with uh, Marcus Stroman on the mound. Yeah, on a cold rainy day, and what stood about? Do you remember what stood out about that yes. game? I, I remember that day vividly because I was so excited to see Marcus pitch because, um, you know, at that point people had pegged him as a possible first round pick. And um, like that time of the year at the dish, so you get the extremes with the weather. So Not cold, pleasant. rainy and Strowman's out there pumping 94 miles an hour, the plus slider and Brooks Marlowe takes him deep twice, twice through the rain through the cold weather, and I, I want to say, wasn't that the f- one of the first years with the bad bats, with the BBCOR bats? I, w- I would think so. Yeah, it must have been. But, yeah, I, I, Brooks always jokes to this day that from then on, that was the, his first college game, and from then on it was all downhill from there. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a, I mean to be fair, it's, it's, it's yeah. impossible to top hitting two homers off of a first-round pick who's in the big leagues and is a stud pitcher yeah. for the Chicago Cubs. Like, yeah, that's, that's the pinnacle, you know, there's, yeah. there's, uh, there's, there's not much else after that. Yeah, no, he, Jaden was super impressive. Um, really good hands, really athletic 2025 from Stony Brook school in Medford, New York, but impressed with him. Awesome get for Duke um, special talent. It'll be interesting to see if he goes to school, but um, because I imagine he's going to be heavily scouted. And yeah, the talent is definitely there. But you know, to wrap it up, uh, amazing event. Super lucky we got to be, go out there and be a part of it. Get to see some of these kids in person, and just really impressed across the board um, with the teams that were put together by these scouts uh, that did such a good job across the board. Like I said, it's it was a really really good group, um, upperclassmen and underclassmen, and you know, the, the future of our games in good hands, there's a lot of talent and um, some physical kids that have a lot of stuff that can really play baseball. I think that was, I think that was the most exciting thing for me is that the, the volume of guys that could really play the game and look like they knew what they were doing and, and played hard, um, played hard. Uh, I got the feeling that a lot of them played to win and that's not always the, the uh, platform that games are played that way, but you could tell that a lot of the kids were into the game and took winning seriously. Um, and that was, that was good to see uh, for the, for the health and potential growth of our game. That's something that, you know, ha- having that competitiveness and, you know, cause you get to some of these events at the end of the summer and these guys are worn out, but it was fun to see them really compete and, and show the way they did. 
Yeah, yeah, like you said earlier, it's a definite sink or swim event because there's no hiding from the competition. There's no hiding from playing on the dirt. There's no hiding from seeing hard fastballs and good breaking balls and stud hitters. And, uh, you know, I was really impressed with the way, you know, generally all these guys carried themselves, especially the underclass guys. You know, there weren't many wide-eyed, like, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I'm on I'm on the area code stage type of thing. A lot of guys got there and competed. Like you said, they wanted to win. You know, mm-hmm. there there is there is definitely that that those competitive juices flowing and, and the ability to play the game and, and things like that. So, yeah, we we had a blast uh, it was so much fun, um, you know, it, it, to, to spend that much time there at the park and, um, you know, have a bounce in your step, you know, waking up early and getting out there again and uh, helps being out in San Diego. But uh, what really helps is, is seeing all this great talent um, and then talking to, you know, we met so many parents while we were out there and. Um, bumped into scouts and, and everybody else. So really, really fun event. We hope that you appreciate all of our coverage from it. Uh, we've got a YouTube recap video of the upper class. We've got, you know, tons of video on Instagram um, and Twitter and, and even TikTok as well. And then um, we've got some more written content coming down in the future. And of course, our upper class podcast from last week. But uh, before we wrap it up here, let's get to our, our recent commitments um this time of year is kind of a commitment frenzy type you know there's a lot of camps going on with colleges kind of their their bigger you know uh prospect type camps where they're getting a lot of their their targets on campus um you know coming out of the summer um, now that coaches are off the road they're really starting to look at their list making their recruiting moves and things like that so um you've got a good list for us of uh of a bunch of guys uh making some commitments um you know of, of guys around the state of texas yeah, so we'll start it off with one of the most recent ones, uh, Cooper Fulbright, 2025 infielder from straight, uh, guy who plays for the 12, Texas A&M commit as of yesterday. Uh, Judd Dowell, 2026 infielder, right-handed pitcher from Lamar, another 12 guy going to A&M. Jacob Silva, 2024 catcher, uh, San Antonio Clark, another 12 guy, um, is following his brother to TCU. Yep. Um, so good get there for the frogs. Mason Winters, a guy that we both like, a 23 infielder from Austin Bowie, uh, plays for the Lone Star Baseball Club. Uh, big pickup for St. Ed's. Yes. Um, uh, excited to see him going there. Boston Dwinnell, 23 left handed pitcher from Alito, uh, plays for the Dallas Tigers, going to Blinn. Jason Flores, 24 infielder from Garland, Naaman Forest, uh, the Banditos up here in the Dallas area. Uh, Texas State commit, Easton Toomey's. Is that how we say it? I think so. All right, we'll go with Easton Toomey's. Easton, let us know if we're butchering that name, but a 23 right-handed pitcher from Friendswood, uh, former U of H commit, now committed to Texas, plays for the Banditos. Eli Hellman, 23 infielder from Georgetown, plays for the Wings, going to McLennan. Uh, Trenton Barnes, 23 right-handed pitcher from LaGrange, plays for Marucci, going to Galveston Junior College. Donovan Becerra, a guy that we saw in one of our last yeah. events, Adam Melissa, 23 right-handed pitcher from Eagle Pass, plays on that uh, South Texas Sliders team with Matt Pierce, um, and just started that pipeline. Another guy going to New Mexico Junior College. Yeah, uh, Kate Smith, yeah. Yeah, really cleaned up with that group. Um, Tyler Dobbs, a 23 left-handed pitcher, another one from Hebron High School, plays for the Sticks, going to Wichita State. Joe Mancinas, 23 shortstop from Hillsborough High School, uh, Sticks guy, 
from Weatherford High School, or excuse me, going to Weatherford College. Uh, Tanner Wiggins, 2023 right-handed pitcher from Temple Christian, plays for the Dirtbaggers, going to Weatherford. So good day, last couple of days for Weatherford on the recruiting trail. Gage Kimball, a guy that we liked um, one of our events for Marucci, mm-hmm. 2023 catcher from Barbers Hill, played for David Denny. Um, like I said, Marucci guy going to Odessa. Cannon Kemp, 23 right-handed pitcher from Weatherford, um, plays for the Patriots, going to OU, a guy that had a really big camp last weekend. Um, Desan Harris, 23 out, uh, outfielder from Plano East that plays for the Tigers, really toolsy guy, going to OU. Owen Uten, a 2023 outfielder from the Tigers, uh, Denison High School, going to Blinn. And then this morning, the last one popped up, Jackson Marshall, really intriguing power bat, uh, 24 outfielder from McKinney Christian, plays for Hunter Pence, going to University of Houston. So shout out to Houston. Houston with their new recruiting coordinator, Ross Kivett, um, uh, just has done a really good job recently in getting some – some really, really good talent in there for the Cougars. Um, I have to imagine they're capitalizing off that Big 12 announcement, uh, but really doing a good job of identifying guys in early age and going and get some really, really impactful players. Yeah, and especially on the high school side too. You know, I think that's something they kind of moved away from in recent years is, you know, they had a their roster was had a lot of JUCO presence. You know, not that mm-hmm. there's anything wrong with that, but – um, I, I think it's I think it's going to help them long term um, really aggressively getting back into the high school talent pool. And and I really like a lot of their I like their 2023 class. I like a lot of these guys that are getting already in the 2024 class. And like you said, Jax, I mean, he had a huge summer, uh, just yep. really showing a lot of in-game power uh, for that Hunter Pence team. Um, you know, Judd Dowell is. You know, when we went to the uh, the 12 showdown day back in April, I was a little skeptical, like, all right, we're going to watch, you know, 14U. Like, and then I watched the team that Judd Dow played and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. these guys are, these guys are unbelievable. Uh, like yeah. he was up to 81 on the mound and like athletic smashing balls into the gap. And it's like, okay, yeah, if you're going to start taking some 2026s, um, this is the caliber of, of kid that you take, but Cooper Fulbright is a major, major two-way talent um, in the 2025 class. Uh, he's got a chance to be a monster, both as a position player and as a um, and as a pitcher as well. Um, Tumis, I'm, I, I got to look at him down at the TSA Prospects All-Star game, uh, a guy that I've been really trying to get a look at for a while. Um, it was a great look. Oh, probably the best slider I saw at that event was up to 90, I believe 92 or 94 miles an hour. I have to go back and look at my notes, but swing and miss slider that he executed. He's got some upside there. Um, Jacob Silva, uh, switching catcher for that Clark team, uh, played a huge part for one of the state's better teams. He's going to play a big part in that, that group next year as well. Um, all around skilled player and uh, shout out to McClendon. They're, McClendon's kind of tugging on my heartstrings a little bit. You know, they get my guy Clayton Freshcorn because I'm a huge fan of. Um, and then Eli Hellman, like I watched Georgetown a couple times. And I'm like, this guy's got a chance to really stick at shortstop and play it at a high position. He's got some athleticism. He's got some bat speed. Uh, a lot of winning intangibles about him as well. So I think that's a that's a great get uh, for McClendon. Hey, okay, the- real quick, real quick, real quick. On Eli, I was looking at his picture. And – Georgetown has really nice uniforms, but on 
this must be an acronym, an acronym that I'm not familiar with. Oh yeah. It says GWTN. George. Well, that's an acronym for Georgetown, isn't it? GWTN. Oh, well, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I, I was curious that, so Eli, it would, be, it would it, need to be GTWN, right? Yeah. Georgetown. Yeah, think so. yeah. 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 Huh. So we'll have to, we'll have to talk to our resident Georgetown expert um, via text who can, who can explain that to us um, for sure. Like I haven't seen them yeah. wear those uniforms before, but yeah, they do have some nice different uniforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause they have that other act like thing. that's like EFND or something like that. Eagle fight never dies. Yeah. That's what I thought it meant. You know, I know that they're, they're all about that. Hey, they didn't die this year because they won a state championship and Eli Hellman was a, was a big part of it um, for sure. Uh, Tanner Wiggins is a guy that we saw throw a few times this year in a bunch mm-hmm. of five tool events. And uh, another yeah. guy that was down that TSA game and um, it was the same guy. Every time I saw him um, up to about 91 miles an hour, the slider flashed, um, got a lot of upside, both in terms of stuff and physically, I think um, I think that's a great get for Weatherford. And I think it's a good fit for Tanner because um if if he shows up there and then like you get into the fall and it's like hey this guy's throwing super hard it's like yeah that makes sense you know and then he could be draft eligible again and and that sort of thing he's going to get a ton of innings at weatherford so uh, we're seeing i think we're already starting to see a little bit of a shift in terms of some of these these really talented guys that i'm sure have a ton of d1 options um going the junior college route with some of these top junior college programs because they know i'm going to get back into the draft pool right away I'm probably going to play and a lot of a, a positive developments occurring um, at these programs. Uh, you mentioned Gage Kimball um, staying out the Mattingly I, all around. I, I thought he was really impressive. I uh, really liked that get. And um, the son Harris, I mean, and you mentioned Kanan Kemp too. I mean, like we talk about with these camps, camps are just a really great opportunity because you go there, like you have their undivided evaluation attention. Like they're, mm-hmm. that's what they're there for is to evaluate and to make decisions about pulling some commitments um, out of those camps and add to their classes. And uh, a lot of upside with, with Dawson Harris, um, just a lot of, you know, physical upside, a lot of really intriguing tools. Um, so Oklahoma has been red, red hot on the recruiting trail um, for a while now, but uh, yeah, definitely big commitment season. Um, you know, coming out of the summer is, is a lot of 2023s are making their decisions and we're starting to see some of those, those major D one programs shift more of their focus to the 2024 classes as they kind of wrap up their 2023 classes. But, um, well, that wraps us up unless you got anything else. Um, I do not. I think that, uh, we've, we've probably, uh, talked enough, probably mentioned another hundred names again for the second straight week. Sorry, Allison. Um, <laughs> I, I promise that the next one we do will not mention that many names because our area code uh podcasting um is done again there'll be some more writing to come from that we got a ton of video um out there as well so uh shout out to all those guys that recently made college commitments i know it's a really exciting time for you and uh um those are guys out there might be sweating a little bit uh still a ton of time in the 2023 class um a ton of time in the 2024 class and if you're 2025 like i mean uh, it's, it's not, it's not silly to start thinking about recruiting, but you just have to put it in the perspective of, uh, so many programs haven't even shifted any focus, um, to that sort of class as well. So, 
um coming out of summer fall ball will be here soon uh we'll have fall yeah. events at five tool um we'll be we'll have a lot of coverage from around the state uh for fall ball as well and you know the arizona fall classic is on the horizon as well i'm sure it's something that we'll talk about on some future podcasts uh but for drew bishop i'm dust mccomas uh thanks for tuning into episode 78 of the five tool podcast make sure you follow us on twitter at five tool pod and until we talk to y'all next time uh turn around don't drown stay safe